You're listening to Brains On, when we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Molly, why is it so dark in here? Maxwell, welcome to... Ouch! My knee! I mean, welcome to Brains On Headquarters! So glad you're here! Where? Here! Check it out. I even wore my super snazzy sweater vest today. See? It's purple with lightning bolts on it. See what? I can't even see anything. It's totally dark in here. Is it? I hadn't noticed. Molly. Okay, okay, you're right. The power went out earlier and I've been waiting for it to come back on. But don't worry, we'll figure it out. We just have to find our way out of here first. What if we... Oops. Oh, what is this stuff? It is so warm and sticky. Oh, that. It's just a new concoction Mark came up with. Hot banana soup. It's like if dinner and dessert had a baby, but that baby was yellow, sickly sweet, and kind of chunky. Here, let me get you a towel. Oh. There's my sequin collection. I've been looking everywhere for it. Sequins? Hot banana soup? This is getting messy. I promise I have everything under control, Maxwell. Whoops! Just need to find... Aha! Found the matches! Now I'll just light this candle and... Ta-da! Thank goodness for matches. Oh, nice wedding vest, Molly. Thank you, and I love your sticky yellow sequin shirt. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's okay, we have some spare shirts around here somewhere. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios, and I'm here with my co-host, Maxwell, from Houston. Hi, Maxwell. Hey, Molly. Hey, Maxwell. We are so glad you're here. Today, we're talking about those incredible little sticks that make fire matches. And as always, today's episode was inspired by questions from a few of our listeners. Hi, my name is Elliot, and I am from Pembroke, Ontario. I was wondering, how does a match ignite? What's inside the match that makes it light? How does it work? Thank you. Hi, my name is Stellan. Hi, my name is Luca. And we're from Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New New York. York. And we were wondering, how do matches light fire? Thanks to Elliot, Stellan, and Luca for sending in those excellent questions. So, Maxwell, your family doesn't really use matches, right? I just saw one for the first time yesterday. So when you saw a match for the first time, were you surprised by what it looked like? Yes. They're really tiny. It's kind of amazing that they can make fire so well. Now, what's your favorite thing that you use fire for? The birthday candles. He blew out the candles. And it's my birthday last year. I love blowing out the candles. It's a fun thing to do. Have you used fire outside to toast marshmallows? Yeah, we roasted marshmallows and we ro- and we roasted um sausage. Ooh. We roasted blueberry sausage. That sounds wonderful. So is food more delicious when you make it outside? Yeah, it is. It's awesome. So cool. Matches are really useful and interesting. Like, did you know the name match may have come from the Greek word mixa? 
Miksa means wick. That's the stringy thing that you light on a candle or an old lamp. But it can also mean slime or dangling snot, like how a booger dangles from your nose. I bet that's snot where you thought that would go, huh? (laughs) Anyway, in English, the word match can mean lots of different things, like a pair of things that go together. That's a match. A game of tennis? That's a match. Someone who can challenge you. You match your match. It's kind of odd that something as unique and important as a match that makes fire should have such a totally common name. So we asked you to help us come up with some new dynamic names for matches. And your responses were fire. If I was going to come up with a new name for a match, it would be Flickfire. My idea for a new name for matches is Small Magical Fire Producer. My match's name is Ember Twigs. My new name for matches is Fire Starters. I call it a, a fire stick because it makes fire. I would call matches Fire Pops. I would call them the firebugs because at the end of them, it kind of looks like little, little bugs. My name for matches would be fire flamers. I would call matches tiny torches. Thanks to Charlie, Claire, Noah, Owen, Gabriel, Galilee, London, Vera, and Sophia for sending those in. So, Maxwell, if you could come up with a new name for matches... What would it be? I called him Maxis. <laughs> Did you name them after yourself? Maxis. Because Max is closer to the Maxwells. I like that a lot. I would love to use some Max, Maxwell branded matches. So, before we talk about how a match works, first we should say that matches are not toys. They get really hot can start fires and burn you. So don't play with them, really. Please don't do it. Matches are not toys. Don't play with them. To understand how matches ignite, first we have to talk about what you need to make fire. For a fire to happen, you need three things. Fuel. Right. Fuel, that's the thing that burns, like wood or gasoline. Second, You need oxygen. Oxygen is all around us. It's an air molecule, which means it's so tiny you can't see it, but it's there. It's the same stuff our bodies inhale. (sighs) And finally, you need heat. You need enough heat to kick off a chemical reaction that gets a fire going. And we're not just talking a little heat. You need a lot of heat to start a fire. Right. If you leave a piece of wood out in the sun, that's not enough heat to light it up. So to recap, you need heat, oxygen, and fuel. If you're missing one of these three things, you won't have fire. These three ingredients are known as the fire triangle. And we've made a little song to help you remember. The three things you need a fire to light three things you need for a fire so bright number one is fuel Think of wood or paper. number two is oxygen like air or 
that sound will be stuck in my head for the rest of time. Me too. But now we'll always remember the fire triangle. Worth it, in my opinion. The genius of matches is that they combine all three of these ingredients into one tiny package. Right. The match is made of wool paper. It's fuel. And when you rub the match on the side of the box, it creates enough heat to get the chemical reaction going. Bada bing, bada boom, you got fire. So simple, so elegant. Isn't it wild to think that for most of human history, we didn't have them? Well, we did have fire. How do we do that? Great question. Sometimes early humans would just find naturally occurring fire, like, say, from a lightning strike. Then they take that fire and keep it going by adding more wood when it started to die down. What if they couldn't find fire from lightning? Then they'd have to make a fire from scratch. They'd start with some dry grass or leaves, you know, something that burns super easily. Then they'd need to make a spark to light that stuff up. Once you got that burning, you could move the flame to something bigger and heavier, like logs. Sure, but where did the spark come from? There are a few different ways you can make a spark. One way is to take two specific kinds of rocks and hit them together hard enough to create a spark. There's also another way that you might have seen people in movies or TV shows use. You stand a stick straight up on another piece of wood and twirl it back and forth really fast. That makes friction. Exactly. Friction is a force that happens when you rub two things together and it makes heat. Here's a cool thing. Try rubbing your hands together right now. Feel that warmth? That's thanks to friction. Friction breaks the heat. For sure. Like we mentioned, you have to twirl that stick really fast to make friction, and you have to keep it up for a while to start a fire. That sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. That's why ancient people would do everything they could to keep their fires going. Once you have a fire going, it's way easier to keep it burning than to start a new one. That's why matches are a big deal. Exactly. When they came along, they changed everything. We'll hear about that in a sec, but first it's time for the... Are you ready for the mystery sound, Maxwell? Yes. Great. Here it is. Do you have any guesses? It sounds like a plate. Mm, a plate. Very good. Do you want to hear it again? Yes. Okay. What do you think this time? It sounds like a tray. Mm, a tray. It sounds like you're smashing the tray on the floor. I like that guess. You'll have another chance to guess at the end of the show. We're working on an episode all about UFOs, or unidentified flying objects. They're mysterious. They're curious. But are they real? Imagine some aliens showed up at your front door interested in learning more about planet Earth. Where would you take them? Maybe to your favorite comic book store? Your Aunt Piper's house for a stack of hot pancakes? Maxwell, where would you take a bunch of aliens? To the aquarium. What's your favorite thing at the aquarium? I like seeing fish. I also love the aquarium. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Record yourself describing where you'd take a group of alien visitors and send it to us at brainson.org contact. 
While you're there, you can send us mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. Like this one. Why do we need our toes so much? That's brainson.org. And keep listening. You're listening to Brainstorm. I'm Maxwell. And I'm Molly. Today we're talking all about how matches work. We just heard how fire is a chemical reaction between three ingredients. Fuel. That's the thing that burns, like paper or wood. Heat. Which starts the fuel on fire. And oxygen. Either from the air or something that makes oxygen like a chemical. That's our fire triangle. Fuel, heat, Oxygen. And before the break, we heard how fire used to be really hard to make. It was so hard that once someone had a fire going, they tried to never let it go out. But then, the invention of matches changed everything. Once people had matches, it was much easier to start a fire. But it took a lot of experimenting to get them just right. Funny you should mention it. I just picked up a movie from the library about this. Let's check it out. It's time for the biggest mishaps in matchmaking history, where we explore the many experiments on the road to inventing matches. I'm your host, Brock the Jock McBroxen. Whoa, this is a little more intense than I thought it would be. Is that guy wearing three sweatbands? Match mishap number one. Back in the late 1600s, a chemist in England was tinkering around. And he figured out that when you rub two chemicals together, phosphorus and sulfur, they burst into flame. That sounds kind of dangerous. It was dangerous. And the fire was hard to control. Uh Uh-oh. Fast forward a hundred years to match mishap number two, when inventors in France created something they called the phosphoric candle. Oh yeah, I've read about this. The phosphoric candle was a piece of paper dipped in the chemical phosphorus. That paper was kept inside of a glass tube. All you had to do was smash the glass tube and the oxygen in the air would cause the paper to light on fire. Excuse me, who's the expert here? Is this your Extreme Match Invention TV show? Do you have a line of high-quality protein shakes in grocery stores across America? Can you bench press 500 pounds without breaking a sweat? Touchy. Extremely. As I was saying, the phosphoric candle worked. Sort of. It started things on fire, but all that glass was pretty expensive to make, so people didn't really use these in their homes. Yeah, can you imagine having to smash a glass tube before you start a campfire? Or light birthday candles. Which brings us to 1827, almost 200 years ago, before cars or electricity. That's when an English pharmacist named John Walker came up with a pretty extreme invention. Wait for it. A tiny wooden stick that burst into flame when you hit it against a piece of sandpaper. The first modern match. Coming up, the five mega disasters along the road to inventing the can opener. 
Don't touch that! You know, those mishaps were pretty important. Each one taught us something and got us closer to inventing matches. Right. That's just how science works. Totally. You have to try different things before you find something that works. So the first modern match was invented almost 200 years ago, and it looked pretty similar to the matches we have today. A wooden stick that you strike on a surface to light on fire. Which brings us back to the question that started this whole episode. How exactly does a match work? Well, there are two main types of matches out there. The ones that you can strike on any surface to light, and the more common type called safety matches. To light a safety match, you have to strike it against the side of a matchbox. Those are the ones we're talking about here. So let's start with the match itself. A match can be wood or paper, and it always has a little colored tip on one end. And in that tip, there's usually a mix of two chemicals that help the match catch on fire. Sulfur and potassium chlorate. On the matchbox, there's usually a strip on the side. That strip has another special chemical, plus powdered glass for friction, which is why it's scratchy. When the match rubs on the strip, it causes a chain reaction and starts the match on fire. That reaction happens really fast. Yeah, in a fraction of a second, as soon as the match strikes the matchbox. To see what's going on, we're going to have to slow this way down. This calls for the slow-mo ray. Hey. Hey. I've always wanted to use the slow-mo ray, Molly. Say something really fast. If a dog chews shoes, whose shoes does he choose? If a dog chews shoes, whose shoes does he choose? Slow down. If a dog chews shoes, whose shoes does he choose? If a dog chews shoes, whose shoes does he choose? So cool. Okay, back to matches. And remember, one more time, matches aren't toys. Please don't play with them. Don't do it, please. Thank you. Matches are not toys. Don't play with them. Now, let's fire up the slow-mo ray again so we can see what happens as a match ignites. Ready? Ready. Slow down. Ooh, here we go. First, the match rubs against the matchbox and creates that friction we talked about earlier. Remember, friction happens when things rub against each other and it makes heat. That's one corner of our fire triangle. Next, the heat from the friction causes one of the chemicals on the side of the matchbox to light on fire. That little burst of fire causes one of the chemicals in the match to release oxygen, and that extra oxygen helps boost the fire. The second corner of our fire triangle... Finally, another chemical in the match called sulfur catches on fire, which helps burn the wood or paper of the match itself. That's the view. The last corner of the fire triangle. Fun fact, sulfur smells like rotten eggs. That's why when we light a match, it can sometimes smell a little farty. So lighting a match is really just a super-duper fast chemical reaction that sometimes smells like farts. You know, for something so small and simple looking, matches have a lot going on. I talked to Brooks Gunderson from the D.D. Bean Match Company about this. They have a small factory in New Hampshire that's been making matches since 1938. 
Um, it's three generations now that um, the plant has made it through. It's pretty much stood the test of time as right now we are the last plant in North America making matches, book matches. They make about one million matchbooks every day and ship them out all over the country. A million matchbooks a day? Yeah, and they make all kinds of them. Joke matchbooks that people give as silly gifts, special fancy ones for weddings, matchbooks for restaurants, anything you can think of. Brooks said that the match business has changed a lot since the company opened its doors more than 80 years ago. But people are still using matches. I think what's really neat about matches is we've grabbed matches that this factory made 50 years ago and brought them in to our quality control lab. And 50 years on the shelf, they didn't perform any different than it would be if we made them an hour ago. So their sustainability is unbelievable if, if they're, you know, stored properly. Whoa, those matches still worked? Yeah, pretty wild, right? What do you think you'll be doing in 50 years, Maxwell? I'm going to play with my toys. Perfect. Play with my toys and I'm going to be 60. You'll be 60 and you will be playing with your super fun toys. Yeah, and I'm going to be watching TV. I like it. I too would like to be playing with my toys and watching TV. That sounds wonderful. Or maybe in 50 years, we'll be lighting birthday candles with some matches that were made today. For a fire to happen, you need three things. Fuel, oxygen, and heat. For a long time, it was really hard to make fire, so fire was a very precious thing. But the invention of matches changed all that. A match ignites through a super-fast reaction. When a match rubs on a matchbox, special chemicals on the match and the box react together, and poof, fire. That's it for this episode of Brain Zone. This episode was written by Shayla Farzan and me, Molly Bloom. It was produced by Rosie DuPont, Anna Goldfield, Adron Waldis Lossi, Nico Gonzalez Whistler, Anna Weggle, Ruby Guthrie, and Mark Sanchez. We had editing help from Sandin Totten, sound design and music writing by Rachel Breeze, and we had engineering help from Alex Simpson and Shannon Harrison. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kabati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Special thanks to Tashana Drake. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. There are lots of ways to support the show. Subscribe to Brains On Universe on YouTube, where you can watch animated versions of some of your favorite episodes, or head to brainson.org, where you can send us mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. And you can subscribe to our Smarty Pass. It gives you a special ticket to Brains On Universe bonus content plus ad-free episodes. Okay, Maxwell, are you ready to listen to that mystery sound again? Yes, please. Okay. What do you think? It sounds like a tree again. Okay, you're going to stick with your original guess. I love it. Would you like to hear the answer? Yes. Hi, I'm Owen from Anchorage, Alaska, and that was the sound of me banging my mom's earpods on her dresser. <laughs> Whoa! Banging something on a dresser. That is a hard mystery sound. I think you were really close. Something was banging. You thought it was a tray, but it was really an earpod. Is that surprising? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's a tricky one. 
Now it's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the kids who keep the show going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Kate, Grayson, and Owen from Sacramento, California. Claire from Auckland, New Zealand. Mateo from Philadelphia. William from Signal Mountain, Tennessee. Hadley from Tweed Heads, Australia. Finnegan from Madison, Wisconsin. Jeremiah from Winnette, California. Miles and Edie from Tucson, Arizona. Fox from Pauley, New York. Beatrice from Colchester, UK. Emma and Ellie from Boston. Violet from Sacramento, California. Gianna and Bennett from Elk River, Minnesota. Violet and Quinn from Wyndham, Maine. Sadie from Houston, Texas. Thorben from Seattle. Catherine from Glendale, California. Hollis from Panama City, Florida. Noah and Luke from Blue Bloomington, Minnesota, Bennett, Weston, and Gemma from Edmonton, Alberta, Remy from Portland, Oregon, and from San Diego, California, Nicholas, Jack, and Evelyn from Millbrae, California, Jackson from Los Angeles, Harrison from Arlington, Virginia, David from Portland, Oregon, Thomas from Colchester, Inga from Burlington, Washington, Hazel from Belmont, California, Abby from Wilmington, Delaware, Ezra and Lydia from Dublin, Ireland, Owen from Hudson, Ohio, Abby from Elm Grove, Wisconsin, Steve from Miami, Marissa and Leland from San Diego, California, Santiago and Lucas from Houston, Texas, Caden from Taipei, Taiwan, Atlas from Snohomish, Washington, Cora and Isaac from Birmingham, Alabama, Harper from Toronto, Elliot and Oliver from St. John's, Florida, Daisy and Zoe from Auburn, Washington, Edward from London, UK, Vivian and Genevieve from Cork City, Ireland, Kira from Cork, Ireland, Raina from Philadelphia, Salim from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Piper from Arnold, Maryland, Joseph from San Diego, California, Deo from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, Elisa from Shanghai, China, Evie and Clark from St. Paul, Minnesota, Dash and Pilot from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, Sophia from Shanghai, China, Joshua from Baltimore, Ella from New Jersey, Amelia from Brentwood, California, Ishan from Sunnyvale, California, and Brecken and Callie from Deerfield, Illinois. We'll be back next week with an episode all about flying robots in the sky, satellites. Thanks for listening.